Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. What are you talking about today, Katina, before I ask you how you're doing? Yep. So uh, today I'm actually going to be talking about a topic that um, I wrote about on the website on grief in the workplace. And it's a little bit of a different article than we usually cover um, because it doesn't have data. There's not any data that I could find on grief in the workplace in terms of how employees manage grief. So, uh, But the topic seemed to spark some interest in our audience. So um, I thought it could be something good to delve a little deeper into since it's something I think we don't talk enough about. So I'm looking forward to talking about it a little more today. I agree. I think it is a very, um, it's almost like a taboo topic in our culture in some ways. Um, talking about death and, and grief and people just get weird and don't know how to handle that conversation. I'm just as guilty of that as everybody else. Um, But I think it's a good topic to dive into. So I'm excited to talk more about it. Before we get into that sad topic, you have an exciting trip coming up. Yeah. everybody. Yes. So I am leaving for Singapore. Um, By the time uh, this episode airs, you'll probably have seen some of the pictures uh, on Instagram and other places. But uh, I am so excited uh, to be attending a women's leadership conference. uh, And it's mostly researchers, uh, other academics who are doing work in the area of women in leadership and I was invited to attend the conference so it's kind of crazy uh the conference is like a Thursday night dinner a Friday night all day and then Friday night dinner um and I'll have Thursday day I get in Wednesday night um but I'll have Thursday day and Saturday day all to myself to do whatever I want but it's kind of crazy to fly uh to Singapore for a one day uh conference but um (laughs) it is a really cool opportunity because it's like kind of fancy like invite only type deal and there are a lot of really great um, researchers from really amazing universities that are going to be there so I'm really curious to see what I learn. I'm sure you'll learn a ton and how can you say no to like a trip to Singapore? I mean I know you I'm sure you could plan a trip to go to Singapore but what are the odds right you have to always think about when you're planning vacations you're like figuring out where am I gonna go next where am I gonna go next yeah this is like falls in your lap hey yeah go to Singapore. it's like yes I'm going of course. right exactly <laughs> yeah I do I do feel like it's an awesome opportunity to see I've never been to Asia I know you've been all over Asia I've never been to Asia um oh, so, so I'm great. really excited to get my first uh trip to Asia in and then I also um and, you know, one one perk of it is that the conference, because it's small, is nice enough to cover your lodging and they cover your transportation and all your meals. Um, and then uh, GW was nice enough to uh, cover my flight. So um, not only is it a cool opportunity to see Singapore, but um, it's also I don't a pay free for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can't say no to that cool. either. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, I'm so jealous. I have not been to Singapore. I'm really curious to hear about it and curious to hear all about all the food. That's like my favorite part of Asia is the food. Is, well, that's not my favorite part. That's one of my favorite parts. There's a yeah. lot of favorite parts. I'm just going to stop saying favorite because they're all awesome. But <laughs> the food, I, I mean, I personally love Asian cuisine. Like it's one of my favorites, like all the different, yeah, I mean, me I can't even pinpoint which one, yeah. um, but I love them all a lot. And so, I mean, when I was there, it's just like, I just wanted to eat the entire yeah. time because it's so good. So I'm really excited for you to go have food in Asia. Yeah, Maybe. I'm really excited too. And the cool thing is in the research that I've been doing, um, 
because my only drawback, as you know, like so sad, I can't eat shellfish. It's like the saddest part of my life. But yeah. there are so many apparently um, vegetarians that live in Singapore mm-hmm. and also all of the Muslim, uh, which I have learned now in Singapore are called hawker stands mm-hmm. where they sell food. I don't know. I never heard mm-hmm. that term before, but um, yeah, me they are all um, shellfish free. So nice. I know that I'll always be able to find options that are like legit, like nothing has touched this. So I'm happy about that too. And the food looks really good. Like I was like definitely mm-hmm. food, food stalking, um, mm-hmm. all different, uh, all different things. And I made myself a little itinerary for Thursday. Apparently their um, public transportation system there is like perceived. Well, everything there is super clean because they have like tons of laws against like littering and things of that nature. Um, but their public transportation is supposed to be really easy to figure out, really fast and um, super clean and nice. So I made myself a little itinerary of all the different places I'm going to go and the train, like what stop I have to get off on the train to see different things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to go to like a botanical gardens, an art museum. I'm going to try to go to this night safari where monkeys roam free mm-hmm. and they can jump on you. Ah, that sounds so fun. I know. I'm really excited for that. And then um <laughs> and then uh there's like this like laser light show that they do every night down by the water. Mm-hmm. Um I heard of that. Yeah, so I'm going to go see that and um there are just like a, a couple cool neighborhoods like little India and Chinatown that I want to go see that I think will be cool. Oh, and there's a museum that has one of Buddha's tooth- teeth in it. <gasps> crazy i know so i'm gonna go see buddha's tooth that's cool that's right i'm like just curious i'm just curious like you know what what's the deal with that whole story there because i didn't like why is the tooth there (laughs) why is the tooth there why and like i this is my own like you know ignorance about probably other religions in this context but i was not aware that like buddha was a person that like traveled around all those different parts. So like I didn't even like how, yeah. How's the tooth there? I don't know. So I'm very curious yeah. about the tooth. So I'm going to learn I'm all curious. about it. You'll have to tell us all about it when you get back. <laughs> yes. What is I'm the story very excited. Behind the tooth. The tooth. Yeah. So I'm going to do yeah. that. So I'm really pumped. It'll be really fun. I'm going to meet a monkey. I'm going to learn a tooth story. Um, I'm going to eat plenty of food, eat food, and I'm going to learn about women's leadership. So it'll yes. be fun. That sounds awesome. And yeah, I think most Asian countries, there's a lot of vegetarian and vegan options. So um, hopefully if you get the travel bug from Asia, that when you go around Asia, you'll be fine elsewhere as well. Because I know that 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 is a common way of eating in a lot of that part of the world, um, more so than it is in the U.S. So I think you'll be fine and it'll be delicious. Lots of options for me. Um, Definitely. And you have good news too. What's my good news? About your wedding. <laughs> that, that we have the venue? Yeah. I was like, what's my good news? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I thought we talked about that before. Maybe I'm, Did we? I think I've just told, I don't know. Honestly, I feel like I've talked about this so much that I just feel like everybody knows. And then like there was, I can't remember who I was talking to, but somebody that I hadn't told about the venue drama. And I was like, oh, and we finally have a venue. And then they were like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, you didn't know the story. Like (laughs) I just assume everybody knows because I feel like it's just been all I've been talking about. 
Um, but yes, we do have a venue. Yeah. Um, and it is beautiful and things are falling into place. Yay. And I did have like a little like freak out because the wedding's like in two months, like almost yeah. two months. And it's so close. And I can't believe that. And so then I started panicking that I have nothing done. And so luckily my sister talked me off the ledge like a few, maybe like an hour ago. She called, she's like, can I call you? I was like, okay. She was like, okay, let's go through it. What do you actually have to do left? And like we talked through it. And I was like, oh, I don't really have that much to do. So yeah, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> You're going to be okay. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's just surreal that it's like so soon, especially because we basically just secured a venue after this whole fiasco. So yeah. I feel like we should still have a lot more time, but we yeah. don't. I know what you mean. I feel like I went through that before our wedding too. Like I was like, you just have like moments where you're like, oh my God, like whatever the weeks is, like if it's like what, like nine weeks away now or something, you're Mm -hmm. like nine weeks, like that's going to be here like before you know it. You just start freaking out in your mind because you're like, oh my God, like that, that, like that can't be true. Like there must be things I'm forgetting and like you can have complete spaz, but it all comes together and like you won't forget to do stuff and you will Mm -hmm. get it done before the wedding like you know what I mean like you're not gonna forget stuff because you are like you're like me and we're both like crazy people when it comes to things like that so like you're not gonna forget but like I know it just feels like you could but it feels like I will yeah exactly like my I mean I have my sister who does events so she knows so much stuff about events that she's gonna she'll make sure I don't forget something I have a planner like I don't know why I'm freaking out like somebody will catch if I am not doing something right but I just like it just hit me and I was like oh my god I have so many things and and there's so much stuff going on like you know with Nittany and her treatments and like um, I know I talked about that before about her, her cancer treatment. Yeah. So that's like, we're, you know, we're in San Diego so much. Like there's just so much other stuff going on. Like, I think there's probably maybe one week, maybe two that I'll be at home for the full week before the wedding. Yeah. That's like that's crazy. crazy. That is you know, crazy. I've got so many things, so much, like all this back and forth in San Diego and then all these like weekend things, like just so much stuff going on, work travel that I just, when I think about it, I'm like, when am I going to have time to do anything? Because I'm not going to be around. Like I'm going right. to be doing other things. So it just kind of hit me and I had a little panic, but I'm feeling better now. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's okay. <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's okay. I think uh, it's understandable and everybody has those little panics and then, you know, it's going to be fine. You're going to yeah. be great. Yeah, I know. It'll be fine. It'll be fabulous. And then like in a less than a month, Katina's going to come out here for my bachelorette. Yes, and be I'll fabulous. be there. Um, so yeah, we actually have. have yeah, we have like like this weekend. I'm going to be in Singapore next weekend. My family's my whole family's coming to visit Alexandria. Uh, the, the following weekend, your bachelorette part bachelorette party. Then we have one weekend. Then the following weekend, we're together again giving a talk. Yeah. And then the following weekend is PSYOP and we're still together. Yeah. So it's like, whoa. And then like three weeks later, you'll be in Hawaii with me. I so know. It's a lot. <laughs> I know. We have a lot of like, we're basically going to be like seeing each other all the time starting in like a couple weeks. I know. Which is fabulous. Woot fabulous. woot. We should It'll broadcast so live from your bachelorette party. <laughs> oh, I don't know if anybody wants to see that. <laughs> we'll definitely post some pictures, but it would <laughs> maybe be so, early in the day. <laughs> it would be so stupid. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Uh, we should just do it for our own amusement and then listen to it later. 
<laughs> I mean, we did come up with the idea of worker being while I know a bar. So maybe maybe the combination of some alcohol in us is not a bad thing. Yeah, strokes <laughs> strokes of genius happen, and <laughs> I mean, this, there's a formula here. I think. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! But anyways, all right. Let's talk about your your article then. Okay. I know. I feel like we're shifting from like. I know we're like laughing and being like so sad. positive, and then sad. Like the la- the week bo- when you um like found out that your venue canceled and like everything started with Nittany. That's when we should have talked about grief in the workplace. Now things yeah. are like looking up, and now like it's a sad topic. But that's okay because the point of the article is that even though it's a sad topic, people shouldn't be afraid to talk about it and shouldn't avoid it because mm-hmm. that's actually what causes it to have a bigger. Uh, negative impact on people yeah I could see that and like I said before I feel like people do avoid talking about it so let's not avoid it we can be happy one minute and then talk about something sad it's okay people have that depth yeah of range. very true um so the article is called grief and the workplace and it's by Marianne Hazen and it was published in the Academy of Management Perspectives Journal in 2008 and mm-hmm. I just think it's an interesting piece because you don't see this topic talked about at all, which is why we don't have any um, data here. It's just more to get the topic more airtime. Uh, if anybody out there is interested in studying this, if you're a student and you're looking for a thesis topic or a dissertation topic, um, or you're just in an organization and you want to do your own research on it, um, it's a area where we need more work. Um, but basically, the idea is that grief has been studied a lot in psychology and sociology um, and people understand that grief as as an emotion that's felt in life can be very impactful in the way that people go about their day-to-day lives their relationships with their with other people the their ability to do normal life tasks but when it comes to work it's kind of like people just ignore the fact that grief would overlap with your working life Um, so this article tries to address not just how do people recognize the signs of grief at work and how can you recognize them in yourself, but also what workplaces could do to help support people who might be grieving at work. And just uh, to set the kind of level set here, the article defines grief as a process that includes emotional, physical, and social responses to a major loss. And they say that most commonly that loss would be the death of a loved one Um, But it can also run a gamut of different things. So um, you can grieve losing um, a job if you're uh, suddenly unemployed. You can grieve uh, losing a corporate identity if your company merges with another company and you've been with that company for a while. Um, You can grieve employees that you were really close with um, being laid off in your company. So there are lots of different events um, that they talk about in the article that might count as work-specific grief, but there's also grief that happens outside the workplace that then spills into the working life of the employee. That's, I I hadn't thought about grief kind of more broadly. Like that makes sense that there's different types of, you know, grief. I think when people hear grief, they think what you were talking about, loss of a loved individual, like a person or even an animal or something, Mm -hmm. Um, but not necessarily something a little less tangible, like you said, a corporate identity or something like that. Yeah. But what's really interesting to me, though, is the fact that this this was published in 2008 and there really hasn't been anything since then. Like, come on, people. Yeah. 11 years ago, 
we need to get some research here because I think this is a really important topic. I mean, we talk about benefits in the workplace around maternity leave and all that, but what about the opposite side? Most companies only do three days of bereavement, which is absurd yeah if you lose a spouse or a parent or something like that three days do you think three days is enough no to like take away and maybe you don't want a lot of time right up front right sometimes people like the distraction of coming into work and they want to you know try to keep some some normalcy but then once you're starting to process there might be another time period maybe two months down the line that you need some time away from work like I think there needs to be like this is going down a totally different rabbit hole maybe, but I think there needs to be some discussion around what grief looks like yeah. and how it plays out so that organizations can accommodate effectively. Because I think that having grieving, you know, children or family members in a workplace that um, they might not function as well, perform as well, and that can have a big impact on the bottom line if you don't give them the support they need to get through what they're dealing with in their personal life. Yeah. Just like all the other leaves that we talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. And in the article, they actually talk about how uh, grief actually doesn't reach resolution or where the person feels like they've actively coped with it and they can move on and they've processed it. Um, Usually for two months to six months is how long it takes for people to resolve their grief. So definitely three days is not long enough. And for <laughs> for other individuals that it takes longer than that to resolve grief, um, the article says that's when, you know, you might want to go talk to a counselor or a therapist uh, to try to um, get some help with coming to a resolution with grief. But in most instances, it's resolved within six months. But that's still a much longer period of time than I think most people think about their coworkers coping with grief or anybody in their life coping with grief um, that people kind of are like, okay, we'll, we'll acknowledge that this happened and then we're going to move on. But people Mm -hmm. don't often think about what are the reverberation reverberations from this negative thing that happened in this person's life that might last a lot longer than people might feel comfortable admitting. Yeah. I think that there, you're right. There's like a comfort level issue People just like, oh, I'm sorry that so-and-so passed. Here's some flowers and a card and, you know, take a couple days and then you come back and people might check in with you at first, but then people kind of fall off and I'm guilty of this too. Like you don't, if you're not going through the process at that moment, it's hard to remember that somebody else is, Mm -hmm. you know, so you don't think about it and you might not check in the way you should around that topic because you feel uncomfortable you feel weird maybe they don't want to talk about it maybe they're you know so there's like a lot of kind of weirdness there people don't know how to behave Mm -hmm. and then like again you forget and yeah I mean even six months can seem really low depending on who the person was right yeah after six months maybe six months you've resolved a lot of the the major uh emotional fluctuations but things are going to remind you of the person things are going to make you sad at different point I mean for the rest of your life probably if that's somebody that you really were close with like I'm even just thinking so my my grandfather passed away in September so pretty recent and we shared a birthday and so his birthday was on Saturday with mine and it was just like kind of a, a really sad birthday yeah of that. You yeah know, so things like that will remind you of the people that you know you've lost and so even if after six months, like maybe it's, 
your, like in this case, my grandfather's birthday. And if I, you know, it was a Saturday, but like if I was at work, like maybe I'd be thinking about that and maybe that would impact me on this other random day. And so being like sensitive to people's emotional state, um, just in general, I think is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the way that the article talks about it in clinical psychology, there are these different stages that people go through when they're grieving and they're not like cleanly cut. They kind of overlap and you can kind of go back and forth between, you know, you're in stage one, you might move a little bit into stage two and then slide back into stage one and vice versa. Um, but it starts with this um, sort of feeling of disbelief and shock that is the beginning of the grief process where people just um, like you said, maybe they're even compartmentalizing where they don't want to talk about or think about or they're trying to like they they haven't even really processed it yet. They're kind of like, I can't believe that this happened. And so mm -hmm. it can seem unreal. Um, so that's usually the time period that people are in when they get time off from work. The other four stages are yearning for the person, missing the person or yearning for what happened before the past, um, yearning for what what things were like pre the event maybe that you're uh, grieving as a result of. Um, and then people move into feeling angry um, and then people move into feeling sad um, or depressed or upset. And then finally the sadness turns into an acceptance. But by the time you're, you know, getting through all these things over the course of six months, basically you're just getting into the period where you're going to really start dealing with it emotionally when your bereavement period is done, right? If if yeah. you're even done with the disbelief period by that point. Um, so it's not really um, useful the way that people think about this, like, okay, this happened, here's your time off, move on, without thinking about how this might impact their daily lives moving forward. Yeah. I mean, three days is just crazy to think yeah. about. Like if you're in that moment, three it's really basically giving you time to plan and go to a funeral and that's it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's important for leaders and team members to be aware of this. You know, I think it's also really important for people that don't have that haven't experienced a big loss. Cause I think that there's different stages, you know, if you're in the workplace and you've been working for a long time and, maybe you've lost a number of people and you've gone through it. Mm -hmm. So you might be a little bit more sympathetic and understanding. Mm -hmm. um, potentially, it's not always the case. But if you're also newer to the workplace, if you're maybe younger, you haven't had as many losses in your life, you might not understand that level of, um, of grief because yeah. if you haven't had a loss like that. So I think it just, I think there's a lot of variety in terms of what kind of loss people have experienced, how they deal with it, how they cope with it, and then how they project it on other people. Yeah. Um, Cause I think there's a couple of things that could happen, right? Like I could have gone through something like that and then I am very sympathetic to the next person that has um, a loss in their family. But then it could also be the case that I didn't get a lot of wiggle room. Yeah. So I'm not going to give a lot of wiggle room to somebody else. So it's like trying to make a really fair, an open work environment, I think kind of goes in with everything else we've ever talked about. You want to be supportive. You want to be understanding and flexible and, and, you know, adapt for people as they adapt for the workplace. Um, and this is just one piece of that. So being able to be flexible with people as they go through it, because everyone goes through it differently. Yeah. And some of the theories on grief, um, that are outlined in this article that are more recent perspectives talk about, the really important 
aspect of social support and that basically people's grief is like stifled or not given any value when they don't have it acknowledged by other people. So Mm -hmm. some theories on grief say it's necessary for other people to recognize your grief in order for you to heal because if somebody ignores your grief um, or it's just kind of like, oh, you know, you just have to like move on, um, then you feel like your relationship to that person is not recognized or the loss is not recognized or, um, you know, you feel like the event that you're so let's say you're you're in the midst of a divorce let's say um Mm -hmm. that people are grieving that relationship potentially you feel like people just don't see it or maybe you're not supposed to be feeling that way people don't see it as normal so without acknowledging um other people's grief the person doesn't feel permission to experience the emotion and then they don't usually like embark on the journey of trying to cope with it effectively. So some theories actually say like social support is necessary for people to have any kind of closure on their grief. I could totally see that. I think it makes a lot of sense because you need to feel like people just always look for validation. That's like a very common human thing, right? You're looking for others experiences to match your own. So you don't feel like you're alone. Like we have this innate part of ourselves that are wanting to connect with others. Yeah. Um, And so the support makes a lot of sense that you want someone to support you to understand that this is something difficult that you're dealing with versus just kind of ignoring it and brushing it aside because then you feel more alone in a situation that's already really hard for you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, hopefully you have some of the social support systems outside of work, but you're at work a very large percentage of your time. So if you don't have anyone at work that's checking in on you, then like during those eight hours or whatever it might be that you're in the office, you're Mm going to feel you're not going to feel as positively as maybe you would when you're with a friend that's actually checking in on you all the time. So I think that there's just a lot that you have to manage when you're going through um, a grief period and having a support system at work could really, really be helpful. Yeah. And they also talk about in this article, so for the individual griever, it's important to find who your social support resources are in the workplace or outside of the workplace that can help you to get that process going. It doesn't need to be somebody in work at first to get the process going. But if you do have coworkers that you trust and that you think you can speak to about this issue, it's useful to talk to them about the fact that you are going through a period of grieving just so that they Mm -hmm. recognize um, and have the ability. Sometimes people don't feel comfortable bringing it up, but if Mm. you bring it up to them, sometimes then they have the ability to recognize and share stories where they've experienced something similar. So you can have that kind of common ground and, um, you know, start to form that supportive relationship. Um, and also it can help your coworker to better understand what you're going through because some of the symptoms of grief, um, are like a decreased motivation or increased, uh, fatigue, um, Mm -hmm. And or like uh, easier distractibility during tasks because your mind's partially someplace else. So your coworkers are not able to interpret those behaviors from you in a way that makes sense unless they're aware of what you're going through. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like it helps people give you the space if you're yeah. able to communicate with them. And hopefully you're in an environment where you're able to have that conversation and not be dismissed. And I think... I mean, there's some terrible work environments out there, of course, but I think most people can have some sympathy 
towards a major loss. I think that it's harder. I think it's harder when you're going through grief that people don't recognize as important. Yeah. So, you know, if you lose a parent, everyone kind of knows that that's like a big deal. But if you lose your hamster, you know, that might, people might dismiss that and it might be really hard for you and that's fine. You know, people have different levels of, um, connection to their pets and I know like you know my pet is like a family member so that would be a very devastating loss for me and it yeah and so I think that but people don't always think about those types of losses in the same way yeah totally so I think if you're in an environment that's more open it would be good to communicate that and hopefully you can have some supportive individuals that'll understand that maybe it's not the kind of grief that they've experienced but it's still grief Absolutely. And I think um, the same goes for organizations that actually go through um, changes at the organizational level that they maybe don't recognize as being important to the employees. So like this woman that I had in class um, several years ago, she told this story and it always made me, I just always remember it, that it was like this company where people had worked for like 20 years and um people were really proud to have worked there. Like there people, there were people there that had been there. Most of the people that were there had been there a long time. It was like one of those places that just had low turnover, like great culture, etc. And, um, they got bought by another company and, um, basically these folks that had spent most of their working lives as a member of like company a, uh, found out that the company was being purchased. And then within like a week, they came in and all the signage was down from the old company with new company signage up and like everything was changed around. Like all the artifacts of their old organization were just gone. Like that somebody had come in overnight and just switched everything around. And all of a sudden Mm. they like weren't company A anymore. They were company B. And she said people walked in and just started crying because they were so upset about the fact that it was just like, their whole career and their identity was gone. And she said like management was baffled. Like why are people reacting this way? And they actually ended up having to have a grief specialist come in and work with Mm. the employees to do like a round table discussion to help them get closure on it. Um, And that's actually one of the things that the article suggests is that if it's a large scale event that you think employees might have, shared grief around so like for an individual griever social support's really helpful and managers and coworkers can look out for um, employees that have experienced grief and not just assume they're going to get over it quickly and provide social support try not to misinterpret the signs of grief like clearly if you have a, an ability to let people take personal days in a more scattered fashion um, that's more useful because sometimes people don't know when they're going to have a rough day and it probably doesn't happen all mm-hmm. in a row um, mm-hmm. but if it's a collective grief incident where a lot of people in the workplace are experiencing grief over a shared incident, um, taking the time out to really debrief and allow people to work through that as a group has been shown to have really positive effects. But a lot of people just want to act like it didn't happen. So they don't, they don't address it. And that's really bad for the culture and really negative for people's well-being. That makes so much sense. As you were talking about like these big group events, like when I started at Infor, Infor was just bought by or people answers was the first company was bought by Infor. I started and it was already Infor, mm-hmm. um, so I didn't have the experience of losing the identity of people answers because it right. wasn't my identity. And generally, I feel like 
there wasn't a ton of drama around it. But I think that they did it better than the example you gave because they didn't just like get rid of everything people answers immediately. There was like this slow transition and like for the first, um, probably the more than the first year I was there, we were still referred to as people answers. Now we're in for talent science, Mm. but then it was in for people answers and it took a a while to get to that transition. And, um, people answers had this logo that was a wapple, which is like a, an apple with a watermelon center. Okay. It's a whole thing. I'll explain it a different day. But um, <laughs> the, so there's like these like little like stress ball wapples and like all these random things. And they put like Infor on the wapple. But like Infor doesn't use that that symbol. You know what I mean? Like right, right, right. But they were kind of more like merging the two. And, and I think that slower transition really helped people. Yeah. Because I can imagine like the, if you were been in the company for a long time, which a lot of people had been, it probably was a stark change like it was scary and um I think that there were a lot of um individuals that you know for a while were like well when it was people answers we could do this you know that always happens when you have like a big merger or a change in ownership or whatever it look like and I think if you do everything just all of a sudden overnight you're something different that would be jarring and super scary but if you can manage that more properly and have like good merger and acquisition talent leaders to help that process I think you could avoid some of that too but I think the grief counselor idea is really interesting I never would have thought of that but it makes a lot of sense because again I wasn't at people answers when that it was announced so I have no idea what that reaction was like but um I could imagine for some people it was challenging and actually the first place I ever worked after grad school almost got bought by another company almost Mm. they're now they're still independent um but they made the announcement that they were about to sign and like I was in the room for that and everyone freaked out and it was yeah. like, but it was a whole, like you said, it was like a loss of culture, loss of identity. Like they were really proud of them, like the company and then what the company stood for. And they were really nervous about this new company not being the same. And right. it didn't go through it. Actually, I think that some of the reactions had leadership rethink some things. So that was a whole different story, but I could see that if it had that company culture was so strong and so intense that there definitely would have been a grieving period. I can't imagine that it wouldn't have existed. So I totally think it makes sense that there's a lot of corporate events that can cause grief that we just don't even talk about at all. Yeah. Yeah. They were talking about like even like large scale layoffs in the article that, you know, Mm -hmm. you see a lot of your fellow employees leaving the organization and people just act like you're just supposed to handle that. And it can help to allow people to air their sadness about that and work through it um, in together and voice that they're feeling sad about things and allow that to be okay and um, allow people to come to closure with it together. They also talked about, which is interesting, organizations that experience some kind of collective trauma, like um, the, you know, people that went through 9-11 and were in those Mm -hmm. offices or like if you think about like the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando like when people are in a workplace where something happens where patrons or um, employee like fellow employees or whatever the case may be suffer some kind of tragedy um, within the walls of the organization and Mm -hmm. then trying to think about how to pick up those pieces one of the things that the article talked about was that sort of honoring the tragedy and doing something constructive together. So they talked about how like 
actually honoring the people that were lost, sharing stories, um, keeping photos of them up in the office, like things of that Mm -hmm. nature helped people to recognize that grieving was okay and to work together to come to terms with it. And they also mentioned like um, if there's a coworker, for example, that uh, gets an illness, a terminal illness, and everybody around them can watch them getting more and more sick. And then eventually they have Mm -hmm. to leave the workplace um, that just kind of like, okay, well, we'll take the morning off the day of the funeral, but then everybody just returns to work like it's normal, that there Mm -hmm. really needs to be something more done to make sure Mm -hmm. that people actually grieve the person and it doesn't become stifled or ignored because that can be really negative. Yeah, I'm just so surprised as we're talking about this, that this hasn't been researched more. Yeah. That, like, every single example you've given, right, has, that those things happen all the time. Yeah. People get sick and companies change and tragedies occur like I'm just I was thinking when you were talking about the Orlando thing like you know my mom works at the hospital Los Robles in Thousand Oaks and um there was a shooting at the yeah at at, uh the nightclub there and uh and then there was also the fires were going on at the same time so it was like there was borderline shooting and then the fires broke out and there was all this like tragedy happening, you know, like my mom said that it had one person that she had worked with. Um, you know, there's just all these stories of like people that came in that they lost somebody at the, sh- um, at the nightclub and they lost their house like within a day wow. of each other, wow. you know? So they, and they, and these people are coming in and dealing with this tr- crazy trauma, these individuals outside of the workplace, but the workplace is the hospital. So obviously you're dealing with trauma all the time, but yeah, that level yeah. of trauma, mm-hmm. that amount of stuff happening all at once and the, you know, all the employees having to you know, be really strong and, and continue through it. Like, I don't, I'd be really curious to ask her if they ever did anything as a follow-up to kind of help. I mean, I know a lot of nurses and stuff are trained, um, on how to cope with some of this emotional, um, Mm -hmm. intensity, but you know, they're not trained to cope with a mass shooting followed by a huge traumatic fire all at one time. You know, you're, you're, able to manage like somebody dying from a car accident that night in the ER like right, yes that's right. awful but it's not the same scale yeah yeah um so I'd be really curious I mean obviously borderline too like the the club like they have employees so like going back to the pulse example it's the same kind of thing it just really felt very close to home obviously yeah yeah up. but um but I wonder if they did anything there and I think that there's a lot to be done in these situations I mean unfortunately we know that there's all sorts of mass trauma in our country and it's very unfortunate, but workplaces need to be able to handle those effectively and they really don't. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is like just an important area to start the conversation, thinking about how we can make this more normative to recognize and acknowledge grief. So if you're an employee or a leader, um, role modeling, acknowledging other people's grief and listening can just be really important. Like letting the person know that you're there, finding some common ground, sharing a story about a time that you might've experienced grief can also help the person to feel like they're not alone. Um, Mm -hmm. And then from an organizational perspective, you know, allowing people to have more flexibility in terms of when they take time off for grieving or making sure that managers are at least cognizant of the emotions that their employees might go through. So maybe in leadership training, you could incorporate something about managing employee emotions and have something in there about how do you manage through um, an event like this or 
especially if you know about an event collectively that's happened to your employees, layoffs, organizational changes, something, you know, more traumatic workplace violence, something or a sick coworker, whatever the case may be, that you actually take time as a group to acknowledge it and do those same things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, if uh, you're in charge of a workplace wellness program or you have a workplace wellness program, know who runs it providing resources as part of that workplace wellness program for someone who is grieving so that it becomes more accepted that this is something that you can ask about at work and saying, okay, you know, where can I go? What can I do to get help if I need uh, to find counseling? Like having those resources on hand to help employees through that can also show them that the organization cares about their well-being. I think every point you just made is spot on. It's such an important topic and I'm really glad you brought it to our attention and hopefully somebody out there is going to tackle this research so we can actually talk about more data behind what happens in the workplace. Um, but I think for now, all the the tips and things that you just mentioned and that organizations and leaders can do um, are really important and hopefully people will start doing those things. Yeah, I think so. And if you're just an individual person in the workplace, um, just remember like being being a social support and listening is is a good thing to do. So that's a good, easy first step um, if you're listening to this and want to know how you can support others. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening to my article. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing this really interesting and undervalued topic, to be honest. Um, yeah. I think, it's, I think it's super important. Um, well, we'd love to hear your stories. If you have anything that you'd like to share with us about this topic or any topic related to workplace wellness, you can find us on our website at workerbeing.com. You can email us at workerbeing at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at workerbeing. Thanks for listening. Bye. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabarek and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Mm-hmm.